Hi everyone and welcome to This Week in Lies, the show where we found out Monopoly can destroy friendships. I'm your host, Ben Farmer. Joining me as usual is Adam Haynes. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and of course, David Fisher on my left as well. Hi, Ben. So, everyone, the big news this week is economics space. So, if you like economics, you're in for a treat. If you're like my co hosts and don't really know that much about economics, you might be in for a slight bit of snooze fest. But it is important. Um, the main story is obviously the budget, but before that, we're going to talk about Cyprus. So the Eurozone finance ministers have agreed a 10 billion euro bailout deal for Cyprus to prevent its banking system essentially dying in a heap and taking the rest of Europe with it. Uh, Likey, or the Popular Bank, which was the country's second biggest, will be wound down and deposit holders with more than 100,000 euros, so £85,000 in real money, will face rather large losses on their saving deposits. However, all deposits under 100,000 euros will be, and quotes, fully guaranteed whether that actually comes to fruition or not. Officials have warned that the island faces a huge recession, with many businesses shutting, uh, very high levels of unemployment, general, you know, terrible, terrible economic fate, on, you know, on the horizon for Cyprus. The island basically was hugely exposed to Greek debt, and had originally possessed a bank levy of 6.75% on all deposits of un under 100,000, and then 9.9% on all deposits above that. But that was voted down because basically people who had under £100,000 were going to lose nearly 7% of their savings for basically no reason. So people got yeah. rightly quite annoyed in that. I think I'd be pretty annoyed with that. Basically, the banks have been shut for a long time now, over two weeks, and it triggered a huge run on the banks. Um, they closed, they reopened. After two weeks of closure, there's been savings uh, limits. You can only withdraw €100 Euros from the Likey Bank now. Um, understandably, the rest of Europe is pretty worried about this. Um, the chairman of the Cypriot Parliament's Finance Committee, which is Nicholas Papadopoulos, yeah. said, the <laughs> <You're so immature. laughs> said the agreement made no economic sense. We're heading for a deep recession, high unemployment. They wanted to send a message to the Cypriot economy um, that it ought to be destroyed, and they've succeeded in a large part. They've destroyed our banking sector. Um, workers have already threatened a mass strike as soon as the banks reopen. And there's wide protests across the country. So... What are the, the two people who don't know much about economics? You'll still understand what the problems are here. What, what do we think? I don't really care because it just affects Russians, so I really don't care. Well, that was one of the reasons why they've got themselves into quite a bad way is because I think their GDP was, say it was like a billion, you know, or a trillion. Their banking sector was worth like four times their GDP. Yeah, and a lot of it was also Greek debt, yeah, which and probably yeah. isn't coming back in, <laughs> if we're honest. A lot of Russian oligarchs put all of their money in Cyprus, so... Yeah. But really, is this really a big problem for Europe? It affects... Cyprus is a long way away from Britain. And I can't see it from my window, so really, <laughs> does it affect me? As per usual, God made us an island for a reason. Exactly, <laughs> Benjamin, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's one of the things. With Cyprus, we're going to have to wait and see really what happens. Of course, the inevitable problem will be that I, if they take off these short-term... Uh, withdrawal clauses which they have on. I was listening to the radio uh, and the finance minister obviously, um, Papadopoulos, Nicholas Papadopoulos said that the money uh, finance controls are only going to be in for maybe two weeks. Now of course Iceland said they were going to have temporary um, finance controls. They've been on now for six years, something like that. Yes. So whether they actually come off in two weeks will be another matter. If they do, we might see a run on the banks. If that happens, the entire Cypriot banking system will collapse if everyone takes their money out. I'm sure for Ayanapa, just get a load of Brits over to Ayanapa and everything will be fine. Yeah, they'll put enough alcohol down them that they'll just fund <laughs> the bailout for it, so it's fine. 
probably create quite a lot of Cypriot babies as well. <laughs> <laughs> Get a baby boom going in Ayanapa. Well, just a thing. As a history student, obviously, I know a little bit about economics, and when I say a little bit, I mean it begins with the letter E, but yeah. we haven't had a good war for a while, and war does make the economy run a lot better. It stimulates it a lot, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So. You, get, you get unemployment down, you get industry up, we just need another world war. Should we just have, like, a fake war? Everyone just sort of standing on in two trenches going, bang, <laughs> bang, <laughs> boom. Or pay, pay for paintball guns and just fire those over the top of the trenches. That would be great. If we had a fake war, though, it would actually explode into a war when Nicholas Papadopoulos and the, the German finance minister have an argument over who shot who first. I shot you. You should be dead. <laughs> Why aren't you dead? Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. And then North Korea just weighed in and is like, in real <laughs> nuclear weapons. <laughs> what are you doing? Right, well, I mean, that's it really in terms of Cyprus. Um, but more economics news is obviously the budget. And if you're a UK citizen like ourselves, it made for right. further depressing reading and uh, put many people on suicide watch in, in the country because... As you can probably tell with this show, we're not fans of the Tories and or George Osborne. Um, yeah. I think not that, fans. That's going a bit far. <laughs> when, have we... when have we ever criticised that party? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot think of a single time that I've said anything bad about that horrible human being that lives in 11 Downing Street. Yeah. We are, in the words of Fox News, fair and balanced. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so move, with the uh, fair and balanced approach, obviously last week was... Uh, Chancellor George Osborne's budget grabbed the red box and announced uh, the 2013 uh, budget. The main issue surrounding the announcement was, of course, the breaking away um, from the main economic plan of austerity, or what people wanted them to do was break away from it. But in, in the end, the government kind of stuck with their guns. Um, they're still going to look into be reducing the deficit. And a lot of commenters have said that's not going to lead to any sustained or substantial economic growth. Um, the main policies that were outlined in the budget, obviously, uh, September's 3p fuel duty rise was scrapped. It might not seem a lot, but three pence a litre is, you know, it's, it's a fair amount of money when you're filling up quite a big car. April's three pence uh, rise in beer duty was scrapped, and instead, the marvellous George Osborne decided he would do all those plebs a favour and cut a penny off the bike. He's <laughs> oh, such a good man. He is a good man. It's going to go straight into people's pockets. Though. Yeah, that, that is that is definitely a policy where a man who drinks 300 pints a week can benefit from his one free pint. Alcoholics <laughs> at the moment are just going, yeah, well, well enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a penny for a kebab, mate. Uh, just George Osborne. The limit at which people start paying tax is going to be raised to £10,000. Now, this is one thing I am in support of. Yeah. Obviously, I'm in that first uh, tax bracket. So the fact that now my um, pre-tax allowance of, has been raised to £10,000 for 2014, which is a year earlier than planned, which is great news. Yeah. The shared equity schemes have been extended. Interest-free loans for home buyers up to 20% of the value of new build properties. So this is almost George Osborne and David Camden's attempt at going for the right to buy, but they've called it something different and tried to sneak it in the back door. And also it's helping rich people buy a second holiday home, which they have if, no response for. They've kind if of... you look in... At it cynically, maybe. Looking at it realistically, <laughs> I think you mean. It's ridiculous. But. Uh, bank guarantees are, uh, or the banks are guaranteed to underpin £130 billion of new mortgage lending for three years from 2013. Corporation tax is going to be cut from 21% to 20% in 2015, which 
the Chancellor has said will make Britain the most competitive corporate company um, yeah. country in the world. Equal lowest in Europe, I think. Yeah. The new employment allowance, exactly, is um, to cut national insurance bills have been cut by £2,000 for every firm. 450,000 small firms will pay no national insurance contributions. Government procurement for small firms will rise fivefold. Oh, then we're lads, I've got the procurement down. <laughs> Essentially, I don't understand it. I work in it, but I don't actually understand it. Carry on, Ben. Great. Good, Good contribution. <laughs> Tax relief for investment in social enterprises will be uh, increased, so uh, social housing... Uh, community schemes and so on. Stamp duty is going to be axed on shares traded on growth markets. Um, tax avoidance and evasion measures, which include agreements with the Isle of Man, Guernsey and Jersey, are aimed at recouping hopefully about three billion in unpaid taxes. Proceeds of the Leewell banking fines have been given to good military causes, including combat stress charity. So some of the policies then. We'll talk a little bit about the policies. What what are our opinions on them? So firstly, um, the September 3P dual feud rise well, has been be, scrapped. Yeah. To be serious, a fuel duty rise is a literally, if you scrap it, it's essentially just... It's already It's a ridiculous price, policy yeah. anyway, mainly because obviously fuel is so expensive. But then no one is ever going to put it up, so it's like, oh, don't worry, the tax we were never actually going to do, but we've only put in there so we can get rid of it. We've got rid of that for yeah, you. Yeah. It's, and then even with the alcohol, it's just they've, they've U-turned so many times on... Sensible drinking prices and yeah. minimum um, prices on no, units, but they're now that confused and dizzy that they don't know what direction they're meant yeah, to be travelling. It was literally like a week after they said they U-turned on their sort of safe drinking policies, and then they reduce beer duty by a penny, which obviously isn't much, but it doesn't look good considering what well, happened recently. At the end of the day, no bar in the country is going to take one p off the price of their pint. Some bars, like you said, have started putting out a, tr- a tray of one pennies in in like an ashtray and saying, right, if you've bought a pint, you can take one of these pennies and take you... you know, I, it, I did. Yeah, it, yeah, it's completely useless. Completely useless. No one is going to see that 1p rise. The only uh, 1p drop, the only people that are going to see it are the beer producers who will make an extra penny on every yeah. unit. And that'll keep pubs afloat. Exactly. What they should have done is just forgetting it and keep kept that one p of duty for the government to spend on. They're just robbing themselves of yeah. money for no real reason. Which national insurance, um, not national insurance. Um, so pays you earn contributions ten thousand um, pounds. That's good. It's only a bonus, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is a good idea. Just it would have been better if they'd have reintroduced a ten p tax ban than putting a fifty p tax ban as well. But. This is the Tories, so yeah. asking them to tax the rich is kind of It's like, as good as we could have expected. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it is pretty fair. So, Well, look, at the end of the day, the first 10000 every year that you earn is going to be tax-free. After that point, you will be paying 20p in a pound, which is a little steep, for my opinion, for people who might be on, say, £15,000 a year. Paying 20p yeah. in a pound on that 5000 is a lot of money. Just yeah. a thought of, if it is going up to £10,000, it would be interesting to see the amount of money that you will actually gain from, obviously, the lower amount of tax that you'll get on your yeah. initial and then the actual increase in the cost of living to see if you are actually making more money i think in real terms because banking um interest rates are so low the actual fact is that by keeping money in the banks you're losing money and that could be the same for this is that you might only be ending up being two to three percent better off but if inflation is permanently sort of two to two point five to three percent then you're actually not you're at a net equal you know you're net equal really and you use the government's favorite phrase in real terms. One phrase, can I just bring this as well? One phrase that I heard over and over again in the speech was aspiration nation. Oh, Jesus. Now, no. <laughs> I was so angry listening to that. I was listening to the radio and I couldn't, I was 
almost uncontrollable with rage. And because he was putting out a polish thing going, this helps build our aspiration nation. And it was like, this is empty, completely devoid of anything. Basically, it's anything. saying that anyone who doesn't earn like a considerable amount of money just doesn't have any ambition and doesn't want to earn any more money. They're just happy staying there. I said to Which, Fish, I wouldn't have been angry about him using it if he'd have called it the aspiration, just for merging two words. Just because to say aspiration nation is in like is like every budget before this, I've not actually been helping yeah, people yeah. who want to get on. Yeah. That's the, their favourite little buzzword. We well, want yeah. to help people who want to get on. That's the thing. They keep saying, we want to make work pay. Uh, we, want to make, we want to help people who want to get on and do hard work. The, the end, at the end of the day, is the facts in this country show that more often than not, people come, if they're coming to this country, are coming to work. Uh, there's less people claiming benefits and so on. It's just the fact that there is a world downturn, that there isn't as many jobs out there when there yeah, used to be. Ben, if the people who come from abroad to come to Britain to work, they're not British. Yeah. So they're, they're nasty people. Yeah, and yeah. We, they can't be trusted. It's sort of it's semantically it is saying that you know people at the bottom deserve to be where they are. Basically, well, David Cameron's trying to stay away from that, isn't it? He? he is very conscious of trying to stop saying undeserving and deserving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, undeserving and deserving poor. Yeah, but because he that's been one of the behind other language like aspiration. Nation. Exactly, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. People keep saying, oh, no, it's, we're not, you know, the nasty party. We do this. But if you look at their core policies, you look at the fact that they're not bringing back the 10p tax rate, which another discussion of why that was scrapped in the first place needs yeah. to be had. But yeah. the point is that their policies are actually sneaking in through the back door, the deserving and undeserving poor. The next one is the shared equity scheme. That's the right to buy, but just moved and put somewhere else and yeah, hidden it, away. It's called something different, and so it's a completely what is, different what is If scheme, it's different it words, actually? it's not the same thing. What was it actually called? I think was it like the right to it was the right buy? to buy. It was right to buy. Yeah. Was it? No, I mean, the new scheme. I think it's called the right to own or something. Yeah, yeah. something like it's that. It's almost, and it's like just admit that yeah, you ben, are a Thatcher. Ben, they're yeah. trying to save money on overheads. So essentially, they've just gone find all the old papers from the right to buy, scribble out buy, and put own, that, and it saves. That looks. Paper that sounds and remarkably money. like double things. Nineteen eighty four. Plus, in that policy, it does say, you know, interest-free loans for home buyers up to 20% of face value on new build properties. But for ages, there's just not been enough houses built. Yeah. Like, so many people just can't get on the property ladder whatsoever. Like, new build properties, good, but you actually need to build the new build properties for people to actually buy. I think cardboard boxes are being counted as new build properties. <laughs> enough of them. A pavement slab is fine. <laughs> I'll also add as well, the, um, the whole thing... Um, around this scheme, like I said, it's trying to bring back the notion of deserving, undeserving poor. The bedroom tax is another thing that's kind of getting people uh, hot under the collar because this is kind of going hand in hand with saying people need to be able to buy houses. That's why we're getting all these people out of those houses. We'll put the people who've got too many rooms free in their house in these new build ones. They're building a nice little picture about it. They're saying, look, we might be taking people out of council housing that have got too many rooms, but we're giving them a 20% loan uh, for an upfront, you know, on a brand new property. But at the end of the day, that's not a, it's not a real problem. The bedroom tax is not a real issue. It's not a, There is not enough people in this country that are in a house that's too big for them on social housing for it to be that much of an because issue. Because they can't afford it. Yeah, but yeah. this is the thing is, Ben, is if you've got a small minority of people who are in a situation that you don't like, what you do is, is you peddle it. 
and you make it a big issue, and then everyone believes it's a big issue. Yeah, immigration has come up a lot again recently, and uh, yeah. surprising when the government is under fire. I think I'd, I'd rather will just go a little bit off topic again. David Cameron's um, views or the speech that he gave about um, benefit tourism. Yeah. Another great buzzword. Benefit tourism. Now, I'm going to plug a Facebook page here. It's called Keep Calm Britain, Just the Facts. I think we all like it. Yeah. You can find it on there. We'll put it a link on Twitter anyway. What it does is it actually tries to debunk the kind of absolute hokum that comes out of the government about benefits um, paid to non-UK citizens. Yeah. And it's frankly a ridiculously small percentage. More often than not, immigrants that come to the UK do so with a skilled um, asset and then go into full-time employment. The percentage of foreign people unemployed and claiming benefits is lower um, nearly two times um, as much if you're a white British uh, citizen. So you're more than two times likely to be claiming benefits as a white British person compared to um, a tourist, you know, a, an Eastern European or something. Yeah, there's also uh, Jeremy Hunt uh, claiming that the NHS was drained by £200 million a year from people coming in. With the government's own figures, the actual figure is £7 million. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like I've said, if you... <laughs> if you just change the facts, the story's different. It's not that difficult a concept to understand, lads. If I say 100 million immigrants are coming in each day, and there's only actually, let's say, 2,000, the 100 million's a bigger number. It it's is, scarier. It is. <laughs> 200 million. Yeah. We'll, we'll get away from that. my own stats. <laughs> we'll, we'll get away from that. We'll move on to another one. Corporation tax being cut from 21% to 20%. So essentially the Tories solidifying that they want a private sector to be the be-all and end-all of the UK. Economy. And the NHS and the government fair, and yeah. the police. Yeah. 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 That's not exactly surprising. Though. No. It's just it's what, they're get, that's what they're all about. So it's going to be 20% corporation tax. So that's What, what that's going to do is it's going to build London uh, to be even more of a financial centre than before. They're trying to get around this by saying we're doing things like building the new high-speed rail, we're doing this, we're doing that, to make sure that Which the will North... be available in 2026. Yeah, to make sure the North doesn't get left behind. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think the North will be left behind. Yeah, it always is. It but always is. Going back to Cyprus, like, briefly, uh, Gazprom, the Russian oil giants, tried to, like, basically pay off all their debts <laughs> in... Uh, well, they'd get all the natural gas from the Mediterranean, pretty much. That's pretty much Cameron's wet dream. <laughs> That's what he wants. Entire nation. It's just like Gazprom owns the NHS. Yeah. Roman Abramovich just you know buys, you know, the best quality. The, the best one. Yeah. And tries to and put just... them in a squad that doesn't work together and build bringing an interim manager for the NHS. Yeah. Are we genuinely going to be turning hospitals into like football clubs? Oh, and Nurse Jane Williams, she's made a massive move from East Staffordshire Hospital <laughs> to the London Central. And no one saw that coming. 20 million quid. <laughs> she finds the vein. It's 2 0. <laughs> Britain depresses me. It, it generally does depress me. <laughs> There's a couple more things that are good in that. Um, national insurance bill has been cut by 2,000 for every firm, and 450,000 small firms will pay no national insurance. That's um, not good. It's good for the firms. Yeah, I don't know whether it's good for, good for the country, though. insurance pool. Yeah. No. Well, it's just their way of thinking, isn't it? it is. At least they're consistent. Tax avoidance schemes. Look, this <laughs> is my biggest, biggest oh. hate of about the UK. We can go on and on about immigrants. We can go on and on about jobless. We can go on and on about people on benefits. But we don't close loopholes. We let people earn billions, uh, millions and millions a year and put them in Switzerland. Sir <laughs> Philip Green. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> All these people that go out and 
earn ridiculous amounts of money, live in Britain for like whatever it is, 130 days, so they don't have to pay tax. It's ridiculous. We need to shut it. And just to basic going back to the sort of undeserving poor idea, all this rhetoric, you know, hammers the people at the bottom, but it's the people at the top that cost this country the most amount of money, but they'll never do anything about it. Well, because they're bankrolling the party. Yeah. Well, that's unfair to say, Ben. Lord Ashcroft now pays some of his taxes, possibly, maybe, yeah. sometimes. And also, George Osborne a while ago said, oh, I was shocked by the amount of people, you know, the amount of money that people are avoiding in tax. It's just like, where have you been living, George? <laughs> You're the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Did he, he had a go at Jimmy Carr, wasn't it? The comedian, obviously. Because he, he, Jimmy Carr said he used legal tax avoidance schemes yeah, to but shield is, his money. And J- David Cameron and George Osborne came out and said it was morally wrong. I'm sorry, does David Cameron know what a his father did, his his family did, what he he himself does, the MPs that have taken expenses, all of the people that um, front the major high street brands in the UK don't pay tax. The likes of Starbucks, uh, Amazon, we've just yeah. gone to Amazon, well, you can pay it if you want. Please keep your Vodafone. distribution centre in Swansea. Yeah. Please keep the distribution centre there because it's fueling Swansea's economy. The, the other thing you need to look at is the massive hypocrisy. Jimmy Carr, central left thinking type of guy, yeah. morally wrong for getting rid of uh, his tax bill. Yeah. Gary Barlow, friend of David Cameron, big conservative supporter. And when he got found to be avoiding tax, oh, well, that's an issue for Gary Barlow to sort out. Yeah. Hmm. Can anyone smell hypocrisy? <laughs> yeah. Hot off the press. <laughs> the one, the other thing I will agree on, the last one, the last point then, before we spend too long in the, on the budget, is the proceeds of the LIBOR banking fines to be given to good military causes. Um, yeah, you can't disagree with you that. You can't disagree with that. I do. I disagree with the fact maybe that we, we should Maybe just go for more equipment at the start. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. Well, I'd rather well, just yeah. them pull out of the war altogether. That yeah. would be the ultimate goal. But if we can send them Christmas hampers, if we're forcing them... You know, if we send them Christmas hampers and we make sure they've got the right body armour and the right equipment, yeah. knock yourselves out. And afterwards for combat stress as well. Like yeah. So many soldiers are just left to their own devices. Yeah, PTSD yeah. and homeless charities, uh, help for heroes and all those kind of things. Yeah. It is a nice gesture and it's a good a good step. Yeah, but it shouldn't. they shouldn't be applauded for doing it because the government should look after the people who go to another country and could possibly get killed doing it. Well, yeah, they're criminally underfunding them at the start. <laughs> so, it's no good. Yeah. This is this does smack of... Um, bolting the door after the, the horse has bolted because the horse uh, is already dead yeah, the horse has, has bolted and died um, <laughs> and we're now putting some money into you know a wreath or something and it's like you could have I mean there's a lot of soldiers that, that get uh, PTSD and they get combat stress and uh, they lose limbs and things and they are just left to their own devices we should be equipping them properly in the first place and if those things do happen making sure that they're you know looked after but then yeah. obviously going from the budget to looking at the lovely state of our economy um the growth forecast, lads, has it gone down or up? Is this like um, the price is right? It is the price is right. You're going to turn over a percentage and we have to go up or down. How yeah. or not, how what, or what do we think? Up or down? Um, it's gone. It is down. Yeah. It's probably there's, there's down. No way it's it, down. It, it's been halved to 0.6% from 1.2%. Um, in off- December. In December, yeah. Three months ago. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Olympics did such a good job on the uh, economy, but... The Office for Budget Responsibility, which uh, Cameron is now arguing more and more with as the days go on, um, predicts that the UK will escape recession in 2013. I think we were very, very close to going into a triple dip with the snow, weren't we, in um, February and March? Exactly. Um, Growth predicted to be 1.8, so that's probably actually going to be, let's say, (laughs) 0.5. In 2014, yes. 
2.3% in 2015, 2.7% in 2016, and 2.8% in 2017. Just forget those statistics because it's not going to be yeah. that. <laughs> um, the OBR predicts a borrowing of 121 billion this year, the same as last year, and 120 billion for 2014-15. Yeah, that's not too far away from what Labour was saying they'd borrow as well. Yeah, but the they biggest, were going to borrow too much. Apparently. The biggest deficit. We've yeah. been left the biggest deficit and the highest rates of borrowing. George, has borrowing actually gone up since you've been Chancellor? Yes. No, <laughs> no, stop, stop saying things. Um, George Osborne says the deficit and the share of GDP will fall from 7.4% in 2013 to 14 to 5% in 2015 16. But that is actually hoping that his stats for growth are actually. Here's true. the kicker debt as a share of GDP will increase from 75.9% this year to 85.6% by 2016 17, showing that the government is doing a great job of controlling the debt ratio by increasing. By 6%. If you voted Conservative, look in the mirror and punch it. Well, they won't be listening to this. If you voted Conservative and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? We all know that the Tory supporters are a bit sadistic. They're just like torturing themselves for five years in Parliament. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm successfully tapped out. We've spent 25 minutes talking about the economy and how much I hate it and everything the the Tories are doing. So we'll leave it there for now. You can now light yourself on fire. (laughs) Arab Spring News now! Boing! And yes, it's still going. Unbelievably. Uh, We're going for Syria. The leader of the opposition of the National Coalition for Syrian Revolutionary and Opposition Forces has resigned. Ahmed Moaz al-Khatib said world powers had failed to help the rebels and he could only improve the situation by working outside of the coalition. Mr Khatib said in his statement that he had promised to resign if certain red lines were reached, but he did not specify what those red lines were. For the past two years, we've been slaughtered by an unprecedentedly vicious regime while the world has looked on. All the destruction of Syria's infrastructure, the detention of tens of thousands of people, the forced flight of hundreds of thousands and other forms of suffering have been insufficient for the international community to take a decision to allow the people to defend themselves. That's a pretty damning verdict (laughs) on the Arab Spring, if I'm honest. Does anyone think those red lines is a line of blood of children being mercilessly killed by Al-Assad? It's got past that. I'm I'm out. I'm out. What will it take for the West to actually do something in this country? Um, George Bush. Discovery of oil. (laughs) Um... We really shouldn't have sold them anti-air missiles, should we? Yeah. <laughs> it really looked like this, a bad business This deal. is a recurring theme <laughs> over the years. Going back to like the 80s with Iran and Iraq. It's just... Guys, why are, the, ever learn? why are the Mujahideen so well equipped? Why do all these people with dodgy human rights records keep using our weapons to indiscriminately kill people? We just didn't see it coming. For the fourth time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Arab Spring now is more like the Arab Crawl, isn't it? It's still just trying to cling I on. don't know yeah. what is going on. I, it's, it baffles me that this is still going... But then again, you look at things like, like the World War and the world in Iraq. They went on for years. Yeah. Years and years. And people die every single day and nothing Nobody happens. even cares anymore. It's just like, oh, we're in, we're in a war in Iraq. And Afghanistan. Who remembers the war in Afghanistan half the time? Where's Afghanistan? Uh, (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. Who knows anymore? 
It's could be real, anyway. It's not a real place. In- Essentially, EA have bought the rights to make a game about this. <laughs> yeah. So they've got to wait for enough people to die. The UN have just given up counting how many people are dead. They now just go, it's, it's about 70,000. It could be 100,000. But they're a long way away. I've no, I've no idea how... A, everyone hasn't just fled that country. How it's not empty, and the only people that are left are the because, Syrian army and the rebels. Because they just send tanks in and block every exit, basically. And, and the people who are still left, they're probably lying face down on the floor, dead. Yeah. So, I I can't understand it. I'll, I'll never understand like extended periods of conflict like this because you would think that either they put down the uprising, and then the democratic West might help them, or they would win. <laughs> And neither is happening. Basically, they made a tactical error by not having any natural resources in the bottom of their yeah. country. Yeah. Well, that's their own fault, really, isn't it? I know. If you're going to build a, a country on top of such barren land, then you deserve all you get. The thing is, is that Al-Assad just, he just looks so cute sometimes. You just think, oh, you nice little dictator. Yeah, he has breakfast with his kids on TV exactly. and stuff, and then he's killing children and stuff. And we all know that he likes, I'm sexy and I know it. Yeah, it, it, it just humanises him so much. Just He comes across like a nice guy. I've seen all of his speeches, I'm genuinely right. I don't think he'd get up on that stage if he wasn't telling the truth. No. The silence kind of just sums <laughs> up all of this. Just the, the Arab Spring has... I, I can't it's, even It's we, not a boing we, anymore, it's more we, a... When did we start this podcast? So, or, or the radio April show? last year. So two, two years ago. Two years ago now. So 2011. I think we started in 2010, you know. It was the first year of our second year at university. So it was 2010 it would have been. Yeah. So yeah. this has now been going on for three years. And really nothing has changed. Libya well, it has. has kind of revolutionised it itself. It has changed it because it's not on TV anymore. And um, people stop caring now. Um, what country are we talking about again? I don't know. What, what even is this region? I think it's, it's like it's a, Middle East. How can it be Middle and East? It's so far away from where I am that I don't have any thoughts about it. Yeah. In all seriousness, can we not just snipe him? Good <laughs> grief! This is why the UN Declaration of uh, Human Rights is bad because we can't just blow up Palestine. I have this, said this. I'm a lover of the UN, but sometimes they should just go. Do you know what? I don't like you, and just yeah. kill people. This is what the CIA was <laughs> built for: assassinating <laughs> leaders indiscriminately. Give me a sniper rifle. I will do it. Honestly, I would actually go over <laughs> and do it. I'm good uh, with a sniper rifle. You've all seen me on Halo. Europe is evil news now. Um, this is about you, Kip. Sit uh, down. <laughs> audible sigh. Yes. Sit down but and prepare yourself. Voters are turning to the UK Independent Party and it is the only party with alternative policies, said Nigel Farage. Kill me. <laughs> At UKIP Spring Conference, Mr Farage dismissed his claim, dismissed claims that his party's success in a recent by-election was only because of a protest vote. He said that people felt betrayed by a political class. Who were more, <laughs> they were more interested in their own careers than the national interest. He also called for an amicable divorce from the European Union. He cannot go five minutes without talking about them. Uh, there is a wholesale rejection of the career political professional class in this country going on. 
We've had enough of them, he told the conference in Exeter, who probably looked bored and were all about 75. Wearing gold-rimmed um, glasses. And they really do all look the same and sound the same, said the man who looks like a career politician. But hey, they all go to the same schools, the same Oxbridge colleges. None of them even had a job in the real world, and not one of them is in politics for principle. And that's what we stand for, principle. I'm probably just continually hating Europe as... He always seems to go on about, you know, MPs' expenses and the cushy job of sitting in the House of Parliament. Yep. Mr Farage told the audience that UKIP would be actively targeting Labour supporters in the upcoming local elections in England and Wales and that the party had an appeal beyond disaffected Conservative voters. Well, it doesn't, so... No, it does. It has racists, xenophobes... Oh, right. ...and the insane. Oh. So, it does. So the monster Raven loony party are losing out on their main demographic <laughs> yeah. here. But I can't. I, I can't talk about this man without getting upset. So. Well, there is a reason I put this in there. Is that some of the things he said do actually make sense? Because people do really hate this sort of political class, as he called it. You know, they are career politicians. They they really haven't lived in the real world and don't really have much perspective. They all go to the same university. Uh, you can't really disagree with any of that. That but Nigel Farage doesn't live in the real world. No. He flies a plane on election day and crashes it. <laughs> Who does that? Nigel Farage. Yeah, Nigel so, Farage. The what? thing is, is he can say that, but... Dear. What I was going to say is, he uses this kind of thing to sort of draw away from his sort of main, mostly xenophobic, you know, policies. It's sort of a, a good tactic just sort of like, don't mention the controversial bit. Go after like a really easy target. Like a lot of people do say this kind of things. And, you know, he says what people want to hear and then just sort of has, you know, xenophobia then, in the background yeah, lurking around. On. Oh, by the way, we also don't like Europe and people who uh, aren't British. I'm sure I've heard this tactic before. I really, I mean, it's it's ringing a bell. Yeah. Of saying stuff. Like 1930-ish. Yeah. I'm obviously not calling Nigel Farage Hitler because Hitler was nice because Nigel Farage. That was Nick Griffin. So. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, okay. A lot of the people in politics at the moment are career politicians, but then politics is a bit of a career. You, I could not trust a bin man who goes, do you know what, I've got principles, I'm going to go be a politician. He may have the best intentions, but he's probably a moron. I don't even understand how you can use the criticism of, oh, that's a career, you can't have any principles. All teachers, by the way, don't like you know don't like children. Whoa. They're doing it for the career. Wow! Remember that you know Whoa. everyone who's a doctor doesn't actually want to help people. It's just a career. Now that I'm going to be becoming a teacher, it's I take offence to that. It's a career. You're a career teacher, Adam. I'm going to strike. What are you going to do about it? You're a career teacher. Look at how much how you know thoughtful my policies are. You're now. so rustled by this. I guy. hate this guy. He, he he's really on the BBC like every two minutes really as well. It's ridiculous because people has, think he might be a bit he funny. He has but he's no not. policies. No policies at all. His policy is get out of Europe. Now what, Nigel? I don't know. What? I thought that would fix everything. <laughs> well, it hasn't. You've ruined the country. <laughs> yeah. You took away our trading block. Yeah. Well done. Now what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> British jobs for British workers. Well, there's no migrants yeah. anymore and there's still no jobs. So what are we going to do now? <laughs> It's literally just what are what are they going to do when we leave? If what, we leave does Europe? he want everyone to be Arthur Scargill? Is that what you know? Career non-career politicians because the last people I think who weren't career politicians were the likes of the ultra left trade unionists who yeah. were doing it because of the trade unions, and he would probably say, "Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Politics shouldn't be dominated by the trade unions or whatever." 
So what the hell does he want? He wants to get out of He wants to get out of Europe, and that is literally the only idea he's ever had. But he sounds like a sixteen-year-old who's got a crush. Like he secretly loves Europe. He just wants to go in. Yes, everyone's in like, I hate him. He's in the closet about yeah. <laughs> loving Europe. Well, he goes there all the time. He, he lives in Europe. He is there a lot. Yeah. Britain is a part of Europe. I'm sorry, but there are there is a. Under the sea, there is land that attaches us. There's not some kind of vacuum. So what are you saying is that for Nigel Farage to truly live out his policies, he should leave England. He sh- he that should. is a great idea, <laughs> and one I think we should put to it. Nigel, if you don't like Europe that much, you should leave. North Korea is best Korea news now. <laughs> and this is the slightly worrying possible start of World War Three, which is that North Korea has said it is now entering a state of war with South Korea in the latest escalation of rhetoric against its neighbour and, of course, the US backing. A statement promised stern physical actions, sort of like kinetic military operations, or something <laughs> yeah. like, against any provocative act. North Korea has threatened attacks almost daily since it was sanctioned for a third nuclear test in February by pretty much everyone else saying please stop testing nuclear weapons North Korea has um, obviously a few things to um, you know think about however most people think that North Korea would actually um, go ahead with it they're pretty much in the minority I think it'd be quite dangerous for them to actually not go that ahead insane. With it. it's technically been at war with the South since 1953 and has no peace treaty um, has ever been signed but they're kind of just you know, throwing rocks across a border at each other. Um, an armistice uh, at the end of the Korean War was never turned into a full treaty, so they really just have an armistice at the moment. Um, their tagline on BBC is taking threats seriously. So the North um, carried out its third nuclear test on the 12th of February, which led to the imposition of fresh sanctions from the UN, uh, amongst other things. The annual US-South Korean military exercises have also taken place, angering Pyongyang further. Um, a North Korean statement released on Saturday said, From this time on, the North-South relations will be entering the state of war, and all issues raised between the North and South will be handu- handled accordingly. So, thing is, they said they've gone into a state of war, and we will respond if anyone attacks us. That's not declaring a state of war. That When you declare a state of war, you are supposed to attack somebody not retaliate if they ever do anything. And stern physical actions just sounds like they're going to their bedroom and shut, <laughs> slamming the door. <laughs> this is just ridiculous because there's a bit of me which is just like, this is fine, it's not going to be World War Three. It's fine. Although that would help Cyprus. Yeah. I remember that. And then there's a little bit of me which is going, but this is North Korea and they're all insane. Yes. Kim Jong-un is mental. Absolutely mental. You seen with Dennis Rodman the other week? Yeah, the basketball. There is no <laughs> chance. Rodman doing that. He says he needs to be where you know he's needed. So he went to the uh, Vatican as well when the Pope was being elected. <laughs> he was needed. Okay. Dennis Rodman, what a hero! This is ridiculous. I, I'm sorry, but Kim, you, there's no doubt that Kim Jong Un came from Kim Jong Il because Mental he is insane. he is two times as crazy as that guy. Completely mentally unstable. Yeah. Really what do you reckon the odds are that they will actually fire a nuclear weapon in a, at another country in the near future? Because that rhetoric sort of, you know, makes it look like they won't actually do anything. It's empty threats. But they are crazy enough that you sort of think, well, they could happen. Are they actually going to fire it at South Korea? I mean, think of the proximity of it. They nuke the capital in South Korea. They're probably all going to get cancer in Pyongyang anyway. 
Mate, this is North Korea. Yeah, I know they're not <laughs> thinking. They it care? already <laughs> looks like it's been hit by a nuclear yeah, bomb. That's true. That's yeah. true. They, they, they pointed their rockets at U.S. military bases and stuff like that. So I think they're going after they're going after the big dog, basically. Kim Jong Un said it was time to settle accounts with the U.S. imperialists, and it's like, <laughs> in all serious, mate, if you try and settle accounts, I think you're going to get blown out yeah. of existence. He's He's insane. He's got short man syndrome, hasn't he? <laughs> I hate living in such a small country. Give me weapons and I'll shoot them at people. He's also got like a daddy complex as well. Yeah. It's just like, how can I be more crazy? I just don't want people to remember he is the son of King Jong-il. I've got to outdo him. <laughs> a 50 million metre water slide instead. <laughs> That could not work. Why don't they just do that? Why do they have to be all crazy? Why don't they just share it with South Korea and everyone will get on, you know, have such a good time. They wouldn't be at war anymore. Like a border water. If they just bonded over their love of water slides, this could be solved so quickly. Yeah, China. It's easy to sort this issue out. Have you got anything to say? No. Free to bet. (laughs) Free to bet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Human rights, great. North Korea. Good grief. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) And welcome to True Lies. Now, Get to the chopper! Obviously, last time Ben wasn't very happy. <laughs> well, it never aired because obviously yeah. my dog harassed us because she was so un- so unhappy with Adam's complete troll that was the True Lies section. So He, he manipulated the game, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we now have rules and it is fine. Gentlemen, are you ready to start? Well, we'll recap the scores, obviously. I've got one point. You have no points. No points, and Fish has yet to play. I've got a hundred percent record, zero for zero. Okay, right. which is zero percent. Shut up. Hundred <laughs> percent. Are we ready with this? Yes. Go ahead. Right. The first story: Roy Dusk, MP in Canada, has asked for an official complaint to be registered against the Canadian Health Secretary Marion Brody. Dusk alleged that Brody had sent pictures of Dusk in various comedy poses, using Parliament's time to Photoshop him in a variety of situations including mocking the Labrador South and Petit Marcel MP as Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> Dusk has been the butt of many long-running jokes, being labelled the Canadian Bush after offering a high-five oh. to a blind man. <laughs> <laughs> he has also claimed that Canada should sever its diplomatic links with America. This was after Deuce felt insulted when American Congressman John T. Wilson accidentally called the MP Douche at the dinner <laughs> for the centre-right think tank in Washington in 2009. Okay. Are we ready for the second story? Yeah, so we'll ask questions at the end. In India, paying police for many small cities is a costly exercise. To get around the cuts to budgets in India, Bangalorean officials have decided to employ cardboard police officers. Cardboard police officers who cost 85% less than their human counterparts. Officials have set up cardboard speeding police at busy junctions in hopes that drivers will see them, think they are real, and (laughs) slow down. So far, Salim Mohammed is happy at how the cardboard cops have gone about their tasks, telling India One, they have helped ease traffic and speeding. We've had 40 out there and only three have been stolen or set alight. <laughs> <laughs> India One understands that only 14 are actually still in service and of those 14, seven have bullet holes through the forehead. <laughs> okay. And our final story is Belgian scientists have developed a cure for hiccups. The Belgian medical giant, Bellamed, have created a small drink that, when taken with the Bellamed tablets, can relax the diaphragm and ease symptoms of hiccups. The drink and tablet combination may also be of use for sufferers of chronic bowel syndromes and other ailments. 
The drink tablet condition treatment called Comte de Rezio, which the English translation is stomach soother, will only be available for women after a chemical test in the, a chemical in the drink has been found to cause hair loss and reduction in the size of the testicles in male patients. It will now only be prescribed and could be available in 2014. Right. Your questions, gentlemen. So there's an MP in <laughs> Canada who is in the region of Labrador South yes. and Petit. Yes. That sounds implausible. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to say? I don't know. <laughs> been using it seems Parliament time to mock him or mock people up as Woody from Time Story. What? Why was he in these comedy poses in the first place? Apparently, just because he is such a funny guy for just making so many mistakes. A bit like a Boris, jo- a bit like a Boris Johnson almost. Exactly, but he's just been a running joke. Offering so. a high five to a blind man—that that does sound something that would be absolute comedy gold. Sam. Yeah. Um, second story. The second one. Why but, do they only cost eighty-five percent less? I genuinely don't know. That's that's less. that's all the story. So why is they it cost not eighty-five? Are they paying literally like six pence to <laughs> like every Indian police officer on the cost of them? I genuinely cannot comment because I do not know. Okay. I presume if they if they're kitting them out to look like them, they'll, they'll have to pay, give them or draw or paint or whatever, or put a real uniform on it. Yeah. And give it a speed gun or well, something. I know in Britain they had, in some shops, I think there was cardboard cutouts. But actually, whether they would actually extend that to outside where people are obviously just going to steal them. I worked at um, Boats over a Christmas once in school and we had a cardboard cutout policeman by the front door. And every time yeah. I'd walk in, I'd go, oh, I'm like, look at it, because it was just standing right looking at you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. And that, that was funny anyway, because they had a store detective that would sit in the store all day in plain clothes. And he's like, dude, that guy's been shopping here for like nine hours. <laughs> and he just walks around looking at things. But yeah, um, that, that sounds plausible. But then... Yeah, 85%. Less. <laughs> I know India has some, you know, funding problems occasionally, especially with the public sector. But it's probably you still have to pay them off on corruption. Charges. India one understands <laughs> that only fourteen silly service. Seven of those have bullets in their foreheads. That sounds like a great statistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to the third story. I I don't think this is true because I think no, it might it's... have popped up somewhere that they've cured hiccups. Yeah, it um, sounds less believable than the others. I'll say. It only being able to... How would it affect the testicles, really? Well, as you know, Fish, I don't have a medical degree. <laughs> so I well, really don't know. Well, a chemical that's used to soothe the diaphragm might then have side effects. But it's in the same way that a lot of things have side effects, like strange, very strange side effects. Like people who went into medical trials and end up with literally heads of like the elephant man. There was a kid who yeah. did a medical trial for like £2,000 and came out with... You know, like gigantism in his face or something. And I imagine if it causes hair loss and the reduction of the size of testicles, it's going to affect testosterone in some way. It might yeah. do something like that. That's my only medical opinion. You <laughs> owe me two hundred pounds for a consultation. <laughs> it's just unfair. It's only for women. They always get what they want. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They're just so on top in society. Have we got any other questions throughout the three stories, or are you all happy with what you've heard? I don't think it's number. Th- I'm going to discount number three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number one. It, it sounds. This is the thing. Number two sounds like I'd probably pump for number two because I think I know what India's like and I and also know that that policy is elsewhere. But then 
I also believe that there could be a man who tried to high five the blind <laughs> yeah. man. In just want it to be I right. want it to be that guy. All right, Fish, what are you going to go for? I'm going for number one. Right, I'm going to go for number two then. If Fish is going for number one, I'll go for number two. So I think it's the cardboard policeman. Fish thinks it's the uh, Roy Dusk MP. Yeah. Who's been high fiver of blind men. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and put that one. Well, Roy Dusk is a real person. But he was actually best bin man in Sussex in 1999. Okay. The correct one is number two. Cardboard uh, cutout policeman. They uh, don't actually have speeding guns. They just stand there looking like they have speeding guns. <laughs> and there's not that many of them left after yeah, the said, Well, 14 and 7 have... I like how it also said that you know, we've not lost as many as we thought to being let on set or stolen. It's like, we'll put them out there. Do you remember when we did the story about South Korean prisons that had robots? Yes, yeah. and you know that some of them were just going to get put on bricks or burnt to pieces and stuff <laughs> that's essentially what's happened here so I get another point so that's yeah. two to me none to you Fish oh. none to you can I just say in the aborted one last week that I did actually guess the right answer about I don't remember the aborted one no, it, neither do I. It, never, it was never aired Fish let's talk, yeah. let's talk about it so my rightful points have been taken off me deal with it it's a di- dictatorship and I don't like it So let's get towards the end of the show now. Uh, a little section we're bringing back is what we've learned this week. I have learned how much I absolutely hate Nigel Farage. I hate him. I hate you, Nigel Farage. Yeah. It's a good job he's not on the BBC, literally like every few days. Don't watch the BBC anymore, Ben. Don't watch television. <laughs> Sit in your room, <laughs> in a darkened room, and don't do anything. Fish, what have you learned this week? I have learned that people in our you know, class... We we don't do anything to deserve money, so you know we should all have our money taken off us you are and given de- to more deserving people. You are the deserving poor fish. No, I'm not. <laughs> Adam, what have you learned? I've learned that when I laughed at people who were preparing for Armageddon, I really should have been taking them seriously because <laughs> you have no idea what what mood any North Korean general. You have no idea what Kim Jong Un is going to do. No. no. If Tim um, John Gunn hears about that, he's going to get so angry that you underestimated him. He will actually fire a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> some Western, some Western man has doubted my powers. I'll show him. <laughs> Imperialist scum. <laughs> um, email, social media. Um, the email is thisweekinlies at outlook dot com. Yeah. Thanks, Hotmail. Uh, and Twitter is at thisweekinlies, which David was doing some amazing commentary. Um, from the Montenegrin game, when I had to actually look after. You can follow us all on, I think it's at David Fisher 8 yes. for your Twitter. Adams is at AWH91. And mine is at Ben Farnworth. Um, You're the only one. The only one. On Twitter, we will be having like more reporting from around. Like Adam got some excellent quotes out of Roy Hodgson following the Montenegro England game. So expect more high quality coverage, basically. So that's the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. I've been your host, Ben Farnworth, with David Fisher. Goodbye. And Adam Haynes. Civis later. This Week in Lies was sponsored by... Plutonium. Bringing nuclear winter to a place near you. Help me.